Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. I am your host, Danielle Kobo, and I have another incredible guest, a powerful woman. I have Kara Golden as our guest, and she is the founder and CEO of Hint Incorporated, best known for its award-winning Hint Water and the leading unsweetened flavor water. She has received numerous accolades, including being named Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017 in Northern California and one of InStyle's 2019 Badass 50. Previously, Kara was a VP of Shopping Partnerships at American Online, and she hosts the podcast, The, the Kara Golden Show. Her first book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters was released in October 2020 and is now a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. Kara lives in the Bay Area with her family. She is a mother and she is an incredible woman. And I'm so excited for her to be joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You have had such an incredible career and really working in corporate America and then building this phenomenal company, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I'm very gracious. Kara sent me some water and some hand sanitizer and my favorite, just so you guys know, she's got lots of flavors, but my absolute favorite favorite is the cherry flavor. So tell me a little bit and our listeners about your career journey. Yeah, well, I, I never knew that I would eventually become a beverage executive uh, or an entrepreneur for that matter. I started out my career in publishing. I wanted to be on the editorial side, never made it there. I was on the circulation side, uh, working in New York City um, at Time Magazine initially. I then uh, went, was recruited out of Time Magazine to work for a I think what would be termed today is a late stage startup called CNN and was working at CNN uh, prior to uh, it really becoming what it is today. It was definitely a 24 hour news channel, but it was probably in only 40% of households at the time when I was there. Ted Turner was still running around the office saying everyone needs 24 hour news and some days we believed them. Some days we were like, I don't know if this thing is going to make it or not. Um, so it's really fun to look back and kind of connect the dots there. I moved to Silicon Valley with my then fiance, now husband of uh, almost 26 years now. We moved to the Bay Area. And that's when one of the companies that I had followed actually since I was in college, when I bought my first computer was a company called Apple. And I had kind of been, you know, fanning over this guy, Steve Jobs, and really had thought if I could ever get a job at Apple, that would be so cool. But I was living in San Francisco, um, knew that Apple was over an hour away, didn't want to commute all the way down to that part of Silicon Valley. And so 
I stumbled upon a little startup that had spun out of Apple that was a Steve Jobs idea that was doing CD-ROM shopping. And I was very interested in it because I had always believed that the internet would become much more interesting to me if it had more graphics on it. It was a lot, very text-based at the time. And so they were creating something that was kind of the bridge for, for online shopping and being able to have um, things like clothing, uh, companies like not only J. Crew or LL Bean, but also 1-800-Flowers. And so little did I know when I figured out a way to get in the door and, and have an informational interview uh, that I would be offered a job to basically run all of their business development. It was literally five guys in an office, uh, not in a garage, uh, but I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? I end up leaving um, and going and doing something in publishing or in, or in television. Uh, but I was just having a lot of fun and I was really intrigued and interested about everything that I was learning. We were acquired uh, in, after working there for about a year and a half, we were acquired by America Online, you mentioned that, and I was invited to run the e-commerce and shopping partnerships at America Online. Uh, from zero. There was basically just the early days of shopping, still kind of trying to figure out how to make it uh, a little bit more interesting for not only the male consumer, but bringing the female consumer in. And so it was kind of like right place, right time. I was asked to run this group. We didn't even have a uh, budget or or a goal in place because nobody really thought that online shopping was going to happen. This is in the mid '90s, uh, and after um, you know just trying and and figuring out how to make it work and having an incredible team, it ended up being a billion dollars in revenue to AOL after seven years. Uh, that's wow. when I decided to leave and, and take a break. I had, uh, you and I were talking before we came on. I, I have four kids. I had a couple of kids at the time and, and really wanted to spend some time with them. And that's when I really started looking at my own health. I had gained a bunch of weight over the course of having kids that I couldn't lose. I had been an athlete growing up and really had thought that I knew how to stay healthy, but nothing was working. And one day when I was really looking at my, what I was feeding my kids, and it, it, that's when I started looking at sweeteners. And it wasn't just about sugar for me, it was more about these diet sweeteners. And where was I getting the biggest uh, intake of diet sweeteners from my Diet Coke? So I was drinking anywhere from eight to 12 cans a day, not really thinking Whoa. I was doing anything wrong. Lot. I know, right? And, um, and, and people always ask me, like, didn't you know? I mean, you'd have like a 12 pack. And no, I mean, I would go to Circle K and I would fill up. I mean, it was part, of, there was like a routine that mm -hmm. went on and, and uh, it was mostly the fountain sodas. And I would leave part of it in the car and dump it or whatever. And I, you know, continue getting more and more. But after a while, I started to get really bad stomach aches. I would get headaches if I didn't have it. And so I really started to think about, gosh, is there something that I can be doing that can actually better me 
um, in, in some way. Um, and I kept looking for that secret. Um, but what I never really realized until I tried it was maybe it's actually eliminating something that I'm doing rather than trying to exercise more or, you know, eat more protein or whatever it is. And I was just testing. I didn't really think that it was necessarily going to work, but I gave it a try. And that's when after two and a half weeks of giving up my diet Coke, which wasn't easy, by the way. I mean, those, I would I, imagine that's not an easy task when you're drinking eight to 12 cans a day. And I had been drinking it since I was 14. I was a gymnast and a runner and I used to, you know, drink diet Coke like there was no problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I gave it up. And two and a half weeks later, I lost over 20 pounds. So, and I mean, it was insane that I was like, how could this be? I mean, I actually wondered if I was sick at this point because I was losing so much weight so fast. But what I realized as I started to look into it more was that these diet sweeteners were actually changing, not only changing my metabolism, but causing me to actually produce insulin in my body. And so with that, it just, it, it, it was this crazy cycle of, you know, producing insulin. I was holding on to weight, typically around my belly. It was just really the damage that it was doing internally. I just have no idea. And I really started to notice that I had an issue when, you know, the stomach issues came on, the headache issues came on. But then my skin, I started developing really bad adult acne that I had never even had as a kid. And so that now I think back on, you know, those clues as my body was just, you know, really calling out for help. And I having kids and paying attention more to, you know, what I was putting in their bodies maybe helped. But again, I was a tech executive. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I was always thought I was healthy. I wasn't really a cook or chef. I mean, what did I know about creating a beverage? But what I figured out was that the alternatives to these diet sodas were flavored waters that all had sweeteners in them. Most of them had sugar, but some of them had various diet sweeteners like, you know, saccharin or sucralose or NutraSweet and then Splenda was another one. And so I, I thought what I really need is something that just flavors water enough where it's interesting. That's all I need. And I was never, even though I drank Diet Coke, I was never really a bubble person. Like I thought if I'm really going to drink lots per day somewhere along the way people told me i should have at least eight glasses of water a day i felt like if i was drinking carbonated water um it would just i'd feel really bloated and instead i i wanted to drink more water so i never really thought there was anything wrong with the carbonation but for me it was really about I want to keep drinking lots of water and stay hydrated i noticed my skin had cleared up um, my stomach issues had cleared up just by making this one tiny little change. And so um, just making my own creation in my kitchen. One day I said, I'm going to take this product to Whole Foods, a brand new store that had just opened uh, in San Francisco. And 
and see if I can get it on the shelf. I, I never really thought, okay, I'm gonna create a beverage company. I'm gonna create a new category, which is what we did, or take on you know big sugar or diet sweeteners or big soda. Instead, I just thought, you know, what I'm gonna do is actually do something for myself that helps me drink water. And I think it could actually help a lot of other people too. So today, uh, Hint is the largest non-alcoholic beverage company in the US that doesn't have a relationship with big soda. And um, you know we've grown from uh, nothing uh, to a, a quarter of a billion dollar company today and available not just in stores, but also online at drinkhint.com and Amazon, et cetera. And I think probably the, the thing that really gets me most excited about Hint is that I hear from consumers over and over again that it's actually helped them do something that they thought was impossible. Uh, when and it gives them hope. We hear from cancer patients that's helped them get through chemo, chemo treatments. We've heard from people who are dealing with weight issues or diabetes. And again, it's just water with just a little bit of interest in it and flavors that are, you know, lots of fun, lots of different flavors as you mentioned earlier. But it, I'm very, very proud to uh, to be able to say that I developed something in my kitchen that became something that people really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a lot out there, but there's not a lot out there where, you know, I, I've always struggled with drinking water. It's never been something that I'm, you know, I know that I do a lot of workshops on work-life balance and the importance of taking care of your body and fueling your body and, you know, there's this kind of guide where you're, you're supposed to be drinking about half your body weight in ounces. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of water <laughs> that you should be drinking. And it's, you know, when it's just water, it can be pretty plain to get through. And so one of the things I really loved about your water is it tastes delicious and it's, it's healthy for you. It's not filled with a lot of those sweeteners out there, which just like you as a mother, I really started paying attention to when I was deciding what to put in my kids' bodies. And I'm like, if I'm going to be paying this much attention to them, I should also be taking, you know, paying attention to myself as well. Yeah. And I think it, frankly, I think it's common for, um, particularly women and mothers, uh, that, you know, just looking at, you, know, you don't you don't take as care as great care of yourself and and for me the wake up call was really looking at my family and paying a lot of attention and not really practicing what I was preaching, and so it was um, it was something that I don't think anybody woke me up to it or said hey you know what are you talking about for them and you're not really doing the same thing it was I feel like it was kind of a gift to me to be able to realize that this is what I should do to not only make myself healthier, um, but also um, help others too. Mm -hmm. Yes. So your book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And as I said, it's a uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller, Amazon bestseller, uh, and it's been out for over a year. Tell us a little bit, what does it mean to be undaunted? Well, I think for, for me, 
when I started Hint, as I alluded to, I, I didn't know I was going to become an entrepreneur. I had worked for some incredible entrepreneurs uh, over the years, including, um, you know, ultimately Ted Turner at CNN and and uh, Steve Case at AOL and kind of indirectly, I guess, in, in some ways for Steve Jobs, although I never worked with Steve at all. But I felt like I never thought that that was like a training ground for me to go and start my own thing. But I think I feel really fortunate to have worked for people like that because they're just real people trying to solve problems. They saw a problem um, and they were each way ahead of where the rest of consumers were. And they decided to take that risk use their tenacity and their creativity, uh, build a team to go out and try. They were clearly not positive at times that it was gonna actually work, but they thought if they can keep getting traction along the way. And I think that that is the thing that I think is really missing from so many people who maybe wanna go start a company, but don't have the guts or don't have the courage or the fearlessness, which is what I've been called for years. Um, I think if you are able to work for somebody who's actually doing exactly what you wanna do, um, you're able to see that they're just normal people. They're just willing to just go try. And they're all also willing to fail. And I think that that's something that a lot of people feel like they would be embarrassed by, or maybe they're not going to be able to do that. And in a way that, um, that, you know, maybe matches with what they've been able to accomplish to date. And I think that that's the toughest thing, I think, for people, especially successful people who have gone out and worked inside corporations, been the number one and, you know, their division or whatever. And then suddenly they think, oh, I've got to start from scratch, from nothing, and figure out how to create a product, figure out how to distribute a product. Um, if you're thinking about starting a beverage company, which is what we did in our case, I had no idea that I was creating a new category until probably two months into actually launching the product when none of the buyers would actually put it on the shelf because we didn't match their planogram and what they were really looking for. So when when you're trying to move forward and get traction and then some days you end up going backwards it's frustrating right and you have to figure out how do i get back up again how do i brush myself off and keep moving forward in a way that you know really makes sense and i think that that's something that i've always thought about is you just have to remain undaunted and you have to figure out how do you break down those walls that are sitting in front of you that maybe um, at, at times get so high that you just don't even know how to you know get over them or get around them but you have to figure it out and so i think through sharing my story that is the best way to show people that it, if i can do it you can do it too you have to set your mind to it and you have to figure out how to you know recognize the successes along the way know that you're going to have failures know that you're going to have challenges know that you're going to learn a lot of lessons along the way and make mistakes along the way but the only way to actually ultimately get successful 
achieve your goals is to have those moments. And I, I really, really believe that and have seen that in so many people that are successful today. We will be right back to today's episode. Whether you want to get a promotion, find a new job, increase your sales performance, the feeling of clarity on how to accelerate your career is priceless. The risk of uncertainty is missing out on promotions, lacking leadership experience, unclear on how to break through that glass ceiling. You're left feeling stuck, frustrated, and discouraged. 74% of employees feel like they're not achieving their full potential because of lack of development opportunities. It becomes a lot easier to get there when you know where you're going. How would you feel if you knew exactly where to go and how to get there? With 15 years of experience in corporate America and a certified leadership coach, I've helped thousands of professionals transform their mind from self-doubt to confidence and courage and gain clarity on how to accelerate their career. I invite you to go to my website, daniellecobo.com, that's C-O-B-O, and schedule your career discovery session with me. Thanks for tuning in and back to today's episode. Yeah. Oh, I can relate so much to what you're saying because I spent 15 years in corporate America. And just like you said, the people that are very successful, I had earned four back-to-back president's trips. I've earned region manager of the year. And when I decided to leave corporate, I was terrified. I pushed back for a long time on being an an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until I, you know, I was working with a recruiter and she said, Danielle, stop looking for a job. You need to be a career coach. This is what you're passionate about. This is what you're, you're really good at. So, you know, take this endeavor and take a risk. And I don't think I realized the insecurities I had and how I had covered up my insecurities with the awards and the accolades until I went on my own. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't realize just kind of how terrified I was and how much I doubted myself. And that's one of the reasons why I relate so much to your story and how I've been grateful that you've shared your story because we all experience doubt in our lives. We all have, you know, these limiting beliefs that we have in our lives, but it's not until people share their stories where we realize that we put some people on these pedestals or we see them where you're at today, where you've had this business for 16 years but we don't always know the journey and how you got there and the successes and failures you've had the way, but you're very gracious and you share these with us. Thank you. Well, and, and I really do believe that over the years that it's in, in sharing those stories first with, um, you know, friends and, and employees, um, as well as entrepreneurs, uh, students, when I've been out speaking, I think that that's when I started to get emails after events saying, you know, you really helped me with this hard issue. Oftentimes they weren't beverage executives or even food executives. They weren't changing careers from going from tech to, you know, the consumer products industry uh, in the food and beverage industry. They were just people that were going through some hard challenges and just through hearing my story, they related. And that's what I figured out that if I could share more of these stories, ultimately, that's why I decided to write a book was I had taken my notes after each of these events and I started jotting down notes. Like if I had to answer something a different way, 
when people had asked me questions, how else could I have answered that? And, uh, and so over the course of about four years, that ended up to be about 600 pages. And so wow. as I was sharing some of these stories, I, one day I, I just decided, you know, there's a lot of people that are not inside of corporations where I might be speaking or at conferences and instead maybe they're on social media um, following me, but maybe they're not, maybe they don't know I exist. And I thought if I could put this together in a book and really help people maybe while they're developing their own company or maybe they've just had a failure or maybe they just don't even know how to get out of the gate and they're really just trying to figure something out that I've been through I could help a lot of people just by sharing my stories and so that was my main purpose for writing Undaunted was just to really help people which is frankly no different than why I started Hint I mean yeah. I never uh, started Hint because I thought, oh gosh, I want to be the next vitamin water or Red Bull. For me, it was really around a mission to help people just how I had been helped just by having a drink like Hint. Yeah, that's, and it's, it's a powerful book because in, you know, you talk about your career journey, you talk about your creative ways of getting your first job and some of those things along those lines. And then like you said, starting your business and where you're at today and some of the bumps you've had in the, throughout that process. Now you're speaking a lot. You're, you're speaking um, all over the world right now. And this is really becoming something I can tell you're passionate about. And you've been speaking to leadership and specifically over the course of the two years, there's been a lot of changes and you can relate to not only trying to juggle running a business and being a mom, also leading a team through this uncertainty of how we're going to do, you know, manufacturing <laughs> while working remotely and things like that. So tell us a little bit of how you've adapted through this journey, um, through the pandemic and, and how that reflects your leadership style. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, my kids are a little bit older now. So when I first started Hint, I mean, I had little ones like you, um, you know, that was definitely challenging. Um, but I think I, I'd never been through a pandemic, had been through other challenging times for sure. Um, not only did I have four kids under uh, the age of six when I started Hint, but also, um, you know, went through times of trying to figure out exactly how do I break into this industry? Um, I come from an industry tech, which wasn't very dominated by females. So, I mean, it's not too much different in the beverage industry, but more than anything, just trying to figure stuff out. I, I felt like being an outsider, there were so many people that wouldn't even give me the time of day because they just immediately discounted me because I didn't have experience in the industry. Um, maybe you can, uh, anybody who's listening can relate to that, that maybe you have an interest in doing something, but you just don't really have um, that experience. And you start trying to figure out who can kind of help you think about it. And they're like, she's never gonna do that. I mean, there's just no way. But I think more than anything, what I found was that if I just kept, uh, if I if I just kept figuring out how to make some progress along the way, um, and also take breaks along the way. I mean, as I was trying to 
manage my kids while I'm running a business early on. I had babysitters um, that were helpful for me, especially when I needed to focus on some stuff or had meetings. But I think I knew that I couldn't do everything, right? That there were, maybe it was going to take me a little bit longer at certain points of, along the way, but I thought that it was really, really important for me to, um, to be able to um, have some kind of sanity along the way too. So, and I just mentioned that because I think so many people, especially women who have been trying to work and trying to have a family and have it all, um, you know, I've, I've realized for myself that it is hard to have it all, right? You, mm -hmm. There are days when you have to put more focus on one thing or the other. If your kids are sick, for example, or, um, you know, whatever that is, that you have to be able to take a break along the way. And I think when COVID hit, when so many of our employees had families, um, were trying to figure out exactly what to do. We had been, a, much of our team had been remote. So over half of our 250 people were remote anyway, because there were salespeople um, that were throughout the country, but they had differing issues, right? There were different state issues where there were lockdowns in certain states, not in other states, but everybody was trying to keep their family healthy, trying to keep themselves healthy. And we were, were running a, a company and these people are working for a company that is a water company where we've got to stock the shelves with water and make sure that the supply, we also have other issues. We're at an FDA regulated company too. So um, there's different you know, manufacturing uh, issues there that maybe other food and, and water companies don't deal with because they don't have fruit in their products. So they're not dealing with that. So again, none of this was um, stuff that we had actually dealt with before, but instead I was willing to roll up my sleeves and figure it out. And while I couldn't actually relate to having children during a pandemic um, before, young children, I should say, what I could relate to was that we all have to just keep figuring out how to move forward the best we can. And there's going to be different stresses along the way. And, you know, more than anything, I think that you have to raise your hand when things are getting really hard and mm -hmm. tell people more than anything. So I think that the biggest lesson that I feel like I learned early on was that we couldn't group people into um, maybe like this is the supply chain group versus this is the sales group because people were all trying to deal with having differing issues and at home versus work. And we had to look at the individual and figure out exactly what it was and how could we help our employees to actually be um, feeling better about about getting up every day and staying motivated and being okay and and you know different triggers along the mm -hmm. along the day would affect different people differently too and so just recognizing that more than anything but again I think taking kind of a one on one approach with people um, I think people knowing that you know we understood we were empathetic um, was was really, really important. And um, and then always just checking back in with individuals just to make sure that they were getting um, 
getting the the support that they needed from their managers too is was really more than anything what I learned um, learned through this time. So it's uh yeah I think that and and I think there's a lot of leaders that um, that acted that way. I think they more than anything I don't think anybody would say that they knew exactly how to manage during this time but oh, they no nope did not <laughs> rolled up their sleeves and they decided you know i have a decision to make i have options i can either let it get to me or i can figure out how to do the best i can and i think that that is um that's a mindset more than anything uh and i think when you're used to dealing with challenges along the way you're you're definitely um you've you've had them before you got to figure out how to keep moving forward. Yeah. And that, that no one, like you said, no, one's really, we've never really experienced the pandemic before. And so you're spot on. I'm, I think back when I was working for this fortune 500 company and I had was leading the team when the pandemic first hit and, you know, there were some people on my team where they were terrified to go out and they're trying to juggle zoom learning for their kids and then you know also working and trying to survive that and then i had some people on my team that were eager to get back in the field because i was leading a sales team and so they wanted to get back in the field right away and some people didn't have kids at all um and you're just you're navigating through supporting each person where they're at Um, and each of those conversations is totally different and the ones that really thrive through all of this are the ones that were able to adapt and mold and changed as everything's continued to change. Cause we're, we're still in it. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily know when this is eventually going to go away or we're just going to find a way to work through it. But yeah, the ones, the individuals that were, that are able to adapt and, and be resilient through this and keep their mind focused and that positive um, are always typically the ones that make it through in the end. Yeah, and I th- I think also just looking out for your employees and making sure that they're being taken care of first. I felt like, you know, that was that was the goal. Somebody said something to me the other day. Did you focus on you know hitting the numbers? I mean, were you all at work? And and I said, yeah, but I but I also felt like if I, I would never be able to hit, hit the numbers if I wasn't making sure that the people aspect was taken care of first. And so taking care of your people became, it, it was always important to me, but it became even more magnified because I felt like if you, if you figure out how to do that part, then the rest will come. And because otherwise, if they're not happy, then if they're not healthy, if they're not feeling like they're supported, then they're not going to be able to achieve what the company needs to achieve. And I think that that was really the key thing that I saw in to kind of distinguish great leadership from, eh, okay, leadership. If people are sitting here saying, wait, we've got to hit this number, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And um, that if they're not really focusing on the people, I think even, you know, when you look at like supply chain issues, which everybody's had differing, uh, mm-hmm. depending on if you're getting supplies from outside of the U.S. versus um, inside of the U.S. and different 
you know, they're different issues, but it really leads back to the same that there's only so much you can do about, um, you know, getting a container, for example, from Asia. I mean, we, we actually do everything in the US, but I was just talking to a friend earlier today where her cost of getting a container from Asia went from $5,000 to $30,000. And, and right. And so what are you going to do about it? I mean, that can actually, you know, dramatically affect your business, but you can sit there and figure out, okay, how do I ship my manufacturing and supply chain stuff into the U S and cut that cost out, but also, what's going on with your people? Because maybe you've been really focused on making sure that, that your people are, your labor forces are, you know, maybe less expensive. That's why you're using products coming from Asia, whatever it is. But I think focusing on, could you actually figure something out over here in the US and shifting that dynamic a little bit, first of all, where are your people in this situation and what is the labor force like you know can you hire more people that are really interested for example in working um in a non um online environment which i think is is sort of going to be the conversation coming forward there's going to be some jobs that are is it online is it not online and because i think there's a lot of people that um certainly Gen Zs and and many young millennials uh, in particular that maybe don't have families at home, um, they really do want to have a social network and be working with other people. They don't want to be sitting here looking at a screen all day long. So whatever that is, I think really figuring out how can that shift your business in some way and how can you uh, figure out how to... um, you know, make that an asset for you versus, versus, you know, looking at it from a, from the standpoint of just pure costs. Yeah. They're calling this era, the great resignation. And, you know, obviously unemployment's been higher than, you know, his, historically and really where it's affecting is women. And, and it's because women are trying to juggle the home life and kids and, you know, they're really requesting, if I'm going to come back to work, it's about being flexible. It's about being able to provide flexibility so that you can do both. And I think that that's why I'm such a big advocate in supporting women and getting into leadership roles is because we need people that can relate, that get that struggled so that we can create a culture and environment and organization that supports flexibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of where these companies are starting to kind of get that eye opening too going, well, if we want to continue to grow, if we want to continue to retain employees, it's about creating flexibility within working remote or at home or flexible hours, whatever that is. So, well, you've shared so many great nuggets with us. What are three things that you want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? I think the the biggest things are that, you know, focus on what you want, right? Whether that's starting a company or focusing on, um, you know, the the best work environment for you. Um, Maybe you've been trying to figure out exactly what excites you, what, what you would really like to be doing every day, which is another thing that I get people thinking about a lot, which is, 
you know, it's a choice, right? You don't have to, you, you can have a job that just helps you get a paycheck and puts food on the table and a roof over your head. But I think part of what the great resignation is today is rethinking now that so many jobs are remote and there's so many different opportunities for people to really have a much more flexible work life. Um, I, I really think that that's, that that's an opportunity for people to try and think about, am I actually supporting a company that believes in what I believe in, that is um, maybe selling a product or a service that I can stand behind, that I really enjoy? Um, am I working with people that I feel uh, like, you know, really get me and want to support me in some way, whether that's, uh, you know, with my family or flexible time or benefits or whatever that is. So I think the options are definitely out there. And more than anything, I think trying to figure out a a role for you that really makes you happy. Uh, one of the things that I talk about in my book is actually taking a little bit of time off. I used to think, so many people said to me coming from, uh, I was a VP in, at uh, America Online and everybody said, don't take too much time off to be with your family because then you like get off the track and you'll never be able to get back on. I still don't think that's true. I think people, if you want to take a break, then you should take a break, right? And you're in charge of your own self and, and your mental health. And um, having, you know, talking about mental health too does not mean that you're mental in some way, right? I mean, it's also just saying that maybe you need time to think, maybe you need time to reset in some way to figure out exactly what you're meant to be doing. And that is okay to do that. So I think that that is, maybe that's four items versus three items, but I think it's, it's okay. Really good nuggets. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining today. You have such a powerful message and I invite you who are listening Go grab her book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. It's an incredible book. And she shared some of it um, today during today's episode, but she goes into so much more detail in her book. And so I'll go ahead and include the link in the show notes for you to, um, to go ahead and grab your copy on Amazon. And then uh, thank you for joining so much, Kara. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining in. I invite you, if you've enjoyed today's episode, write a review, write a comment. If there's specific topics or guests you'd like to hear on the podcast, direct message me. This podcast is to empower women with the tools to have a uh, thriving career and abundant life. So thank you for joining and create an intentional day. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. 
Until then, be unstoppable. <laughs>